Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Welcome to the Vineyard. We're glad you've joined us here or one of our other campuses like Sullivan. Maybe you're watching on Vineyard Live. Regardless, it is a great, great day to hang out with the family and to learn more about obeying Jesus. I want to start with a story about obedience. It has to do with Africa. I just recently came back from the Ivory Coast, a small country in Africa. And um, the context is that a year ago I was your senior pastor. Now I'm simply a founding pastor, but they wanted me to have a job, so they assigned me missions. It was a bigger job than I thought, but this church does missions in Mexico, China, Taiwan, Mongolia, and for the last two years, we've been in the Ivory Coast, and um, I've inherited that as well. Now, Jim Egley had this job before me, and he has uh, left uh, as a pastor, and he works for a, a group called New Generations, and they're creating disciple-making materials for developing countries such as the Ivory Coast. And Jim's been there several times. He invited me to go. I said, Jim, that doesn't sound like my kind of place. And he says, oh, yeah, you're going to want to go. I said, well, is it hot? Yeah, he says, it's very hot. It's near the equator. I said, it's near a beach. He said, well, the country has a beach, but we're not going to the beach. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, he said, um, it's a non-developed part of the world. Um, there's a lot of dirt roads. Dust is thick at this time of year. Um, the hotels may or may not have hot water, and if they don't have hot water, they may not have any water. I said, well, what do you do for water? He said, well, don't worry. They'll give you a five-gallon pail. You can wash your face and flush your toilet. I'm thinking, I don't know. And then he says, well, the food's a little different, and um, the language, there's a language barrier. The country's officially a French-speaking country, but the people don't speak French. They speak native languages, so you have to translate through the French into the native language, and then it has to come back that way. I'm going to pass on this one, Jim. But the Lord heard me say that, and he said, no, you're going to go. <laughs> okay, so I, I learned, I've learned when the Lord says to go, and I thought, well, okay, I, I better follow through. He said, I want to show you some things over there. And, and um, this is what you call obeying Jesus. It doesn't always feel like something you want to do, but he's asked you to do it. So I obeyed, and I went, I came back, and my life was hugely impacted. It's like, wow, I'm glad I went. The people are hungry. The spirit was powerful and present. I'll say more about that as we go along. But I just want to point something out here early on. I'm going to repeat this line several times. Obedience is never easy in the short run. It can be costly. Um, it does bring clarity in fuzzy situations. That's what we're talking about in this series. How do we get clarity I saw some of the things God wants me to do next. Not all the things, but it's one of the things he wants me to do. And the kingdom is advanced. Now, those are three pretty good points to kind of remember. Obedience will cost you something. It's not always easy. It brings clarity, and the kingdom is advanced. Well, we're in a series entitled Simply Jesus, Focus in a Fuzzy World. And, um, you know, if you've been paying any attention to any source of media in the last month and a half, the world has jumped off the tracks. 
uh, whether it's an international scene or the national scene or the state or local, uh, it, it's a mess out there. Uh, the good news is, is Jesus is still on the throne. He and the Father aren't sitting there having a, a pity party saying, what are we going to do? The, the place is out of control. It's, you know, well within their realm of, of Jesus still being king overall. And so we simply need to stay connected to him, relating to him, learning from him, growing in him, watching what he wants us to do in a message titled Obeying Jesus. Now, I think we're talking to the right people. Do some of you, maybe a little small percentage, have trouble obeying once in a while? Okay, don't raise your hand because we don't want to embarrass everybody. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we are so excited we're in your family. We're thankful you're our Lord and Savior, and we're asking you to teach us how to do your things your way, and that's actually called obedience. And so we're asking you to give us great grace to show us how to obey you and walk with you in the fullness of all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God never, ever leaves us without help. He obviously sent the Bible. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. By the way, if you haven't read Diane's book, my wife's book on Hello, Holy Spirit, God's Gift of Live-In Help. Who doesn't want a live-in helper? You know, rich people have had live-in help for years. Why don't you want to live like kings and queens? You know, you can. The Holy Spirit, he moved inside. He'll help you do everything. The Lord also did something that he records in Ephesians 4.11. It says this. Now, these are gifts Christ gave to who? The church. That's all of us. Apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why did he give five gifts? It goes on in the next few verses, says, to teach us to uh, do the role we're called to in the body of Christ, to walk in the fullness of the, the um, expression of who Christ is, to learn to obey, to learn to love, to work as a unit and to be a, a force here on planet Earth to make a difference. Well, my role, and we're trying to look at the different roles, my role for the last uh, 20, 30 years, 40 years maybe, has been to be the apostolic voice of the church, meaning that I'm often pioneering into new areas. I'm working with the DNA of the church, trying to keep us on focus and direction. And I try to father you into understanding grace, righteousness, and identity. Three words that if you get those, they'll change your life. They'll just radically uh, transform you. Speaking of, of that, we often talk about signs and wonders. It's one of my... Uh, you know, go-to things that I believe we have to keep pressing the gas pedal on in, in the church. It's easy to ignore them or radical obedience. Um, sometimes looking back, I can see I've been radically obedient when I didn't think it was necessarily radical obedience at the time. And so you've even done some of it. But all of it is to help you grow into who Jesus called you to be. So you can smile. I'm a gift to you. It may not be what you thought you were going to get, but it's me. All right? All right. I want to tell you a story about radical obedience. It has to do with giving, and giving is always a sort of a squishy subject. And most of you know I love to give. I talk about giving a lot. Uh, when it's a message on giving, I'm upset if I don't get to give it, although Lee is getting awfully good at giving messages on giving, and uh, I'm really proud of her. But um, having said that, I didn't always love to give. I got saved in 72, and I was so tight, I could have rivaled a gate hinge squeaking. I mean, I was just really bad. I didn't want to give. I was in a church, didn't have any paid staff, and, and uh, you were supposed to give $100 at the end of the year for lights and insurance and all that. 
and I would have to lean on me to give. I didn't want to give. I figured God started a church. He can pay for it, you know. <laughs> why, why does he need my money? So, but having said that, in 1977, God said to Di, I want you to start tithing. She said to me, we're going to start tithing. I said, like any good husband, okay. You know, you do kind of what your wife tells you to do in the Lord half the time. So, at any rate, I... I'm going to get in trouble in that. I've got to back out of that statement and move on. Um, so we started tithing. It changed our lives. I, I fell in love with giving. I realized it's one of the spiritual gifts I have, and I just love to give. And we've always given at least 10%, sometimes 20%, sometimes 100%. What do I mean by that? Well, in 2012, we had a $12 million giving campaign around here. We put on the offices on the side, the children youth space, uh, in the youth spaces over in this area. We cleaned up a lot of things and uh, did some things in other campuses and that. But um, it was interesting. You know, lots of you that have higher incomes, I've talked to about being generous. So the Lord decided to talk to me. And he said, I want you to be generous this time. I said, well, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give three times. I'm going to give a, three tithes, roughly. You know, instead of tithing, giving 10%, I'm going to give 30%. Or it said, that's not going to do. I want you to give 100% of your salary and 100% of Diane's salary. Boy, I'm not often speechless, but I was speechless. Uh, Lord, do you realize that's 10 tithes? Ten, ten, tithing 10 times or 100%. 10 times 10 is 100%. I said, Lord, that, that's 100% of my income and of my wife's income. And the Lord and I, we, we talk about money from time he loves to talk about money if, in case you ever wondered. He, he doesn't bend his ways very much, but he talks about money. I, so I always tried to talk him out of it. He wasn't going to be talked out of it. And then he said, I got a question for you. How much did your last three kids cost to go to college? I said, well, you know, they actually went to school for free on athletic scholarships. I said, he said, yeah, that's right. He said, I'm just asking for some of that back. I thought, oh, Lord, you really got me. You knew right where to, right where to stick me, and um, it, we obeyed. Obviously, we had to tighten our belts a little bit that year, but I look back on it, and it's not like I have a hole where there was no income. God more than filled that in and multiplied beyond. So let's go back to my three points. Obedience isn't always easy, but it brought real clarity into our lives. We began to see, wait, we're called to lead in finance. I, I've gone on to become head of the Vineyard Nationwide finance team. I mean, it's just a gift that God gave me, and he showed me how to use money wisely, and that it's a tool. And the kingdom was advanced. See, all the time we obey, God moves things ahead. So obedience clearly makes a difference. It made a difference in my life. It makes a difference when you obey. So why do we struggle with it so much? One of the interesting things with obedience is we get feelings mixed up with obedience. I have people tell me, well, God wouldn't want me to do anything that makes me feel bad. Well, it made me feel pretty bad to give my whole salary that year. So feelings and obedience can get real cloudy. And people are like, oh, God's such a good, loving God. He just put kick back. He just wants me to do whatever I enjoy doing. That's not exactly what your Bible says. In case you've really read your Bible, but I hear people telling me that all the time. I think, well, I got a lot of work to do. I went on the internet, that wonderful source of information, and saw this chart. Thought you'd enjoy this. In 1800, 
Um, I'm not sure what the scale is there, but you can see that by the year 2010, obedience had dropped to less than half as popular as it had been. You know, growing up, even when I grew up in the, in the 50s and 60s, obedience was a bigger word than it is today. You know, people didn't think much of it. You just obey. That was just part of life, and everybody thought we, we were supposed to do that. Just to give you a couple examples, you know, I'll talk to people about marriage and dating and sexual issues, and people say, we know the Bible. They don't say this out loud, but they imply the Bible's over 2,000 years old, a little out of touch with our modern thinking or giving. You know, the Bible's full of God's financial plan. God says, for instance, to give, and people say, well, you know, you can't really do that tithing stuff in 2020. It just doesn't work. And I think, hmm, it's worked for generations. It's worked in my life in 2020. Are you sure that's in the Bible? That little phrase you're telling me about? Or those of you that still don't get it, you're driving down the road and there's little signs that say 30 and 40 and 60 and 70. Are those suggestions or are those what you're supposed to do? So we all want to do it our way, don't we? And I understand. We're, we're all like that. But the Bible's pretty plain. Let's go to the Gospel of John and let's see what he says in John 14, 23. Jesus is speaking and he says, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them. We will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. Now, you know, there are some really hard Bible verses to understand. This isn't one of them. <laughs> this is pretty easy. John, the apostle of love, writes this. See, if we love him, we obey him. I'm one of his favorite kids because I try to obey him. You could be one of his favorite kids, too, if you try to obey him. And, and at the, it goes on and says, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. What did he tell them? All who love me will do what I say. See, those are the kind of things he reminds you of. That, that he's going to say the same things over and over. This week I spent some time babysitting a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter She's on the strong-willed side, has a lot of opinions. And when she went to play with Block, she didn't want any of my help. She's awful Block builder. I'm actually a pretty good Block builder. I can build with the best of them, but she didn't want any help. Pretty soon I grew weary of trying to help her. I think lots of us treat God like that. He wants to co-create with us. He wants to work with us. He's trying to really build something special. You know, he's... Actually, Ephesians says he's building a masterpiece. And we think we can do it better than we can do it with him. He doesn't want to build it for you. He wants you to co-create with him. All life is co-creating with God. John 15, verse 9, Jesus goes on and says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey the, my Father's commandments, I remain in his love. See, the commandments are always things to help us do it better. And we think the commandments are these little strict rules that say do this and don't do that. And, you know, no, it's to give you life to the fullest. You know, you heard the old line, Father knows best. In a perfect sense, this is true. He knows best. He's going to get you to the right place if you do it his way. John 14, 15, it sounds like a broken record. If you love me, obey my commandments. I actually think if if I were writing the Bible, and nobody asked me to write it, but if I were, I would change it from obey my commandments to follow my ways. And you'd probably say yes. Most of you have a heart to follow God. 
Most of you want to do what God's asking you to do, but you just don't like the word obey and commandments. Drives you nuts, doesn't it? I know. I understand. We're all kind of the same. Let me tell you about obeying God a long time ago. In 1977, I started hearing God say, start a church. Now, you need a little context for this because this is coming in from left field. It wasn't on my bucket list. When I met Diane in 1969, I convinced her to live life my way, and um, I was basically running from God. I thought if I could get into a school with 40,000 students at that time, I know it's more than that now, uh, God wouldn't find me. Unfortunately, sent Diane. She found me, and that, caused, that was the weak spot in my plan. But it was working pretty good. But I made four commitments to die. I said, look, we're never going to go back to the farm. I'm tired of the farm. I'm not going there. Number two, never going to be a Christian. Number three, if I become a Christian, I won't pastor. And number four, I'll make a million dollars. I'm not positive that fourth one was, I said a million dollars by 30. I'd make a million by 30. I'm not positive I said it exactly like that, but it sounds like me. So I, and she says I said it, so I must have said it. It's... <laughs> I tell young guys, it's not a bad line. A lot of young ladies kind of like that line, that last one. So if it works for you, you can use it. You, you can just blame me if it doesn't work. But be that as it may, I'd already caved in on number one. I'd become a Christian. So I'm thinking, I'm, this church stuff, it doesn't get it. I have an MBA in finance. And I don't know if any of you are getting MBAs, but, and if you have one. But this is the honest truth. All MBAs either want to be rich or, and or they want to be the owner of the company or the chairman of the board. And uh, they won't admit that, but that's always at the bottom of things. And so it certainly wasn't in my goals to be a pastor. That was just completely out. But God did some real interesting things. He hammered me twice. He runs me straight into the Holy Spirit. And I get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it radically ripped my life into a whole new territory. It was like wait a minute, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. There's a Holy Spirit? He lives inside of me? And I start seeing things. And then my wife is told she can't ever have kids, and the Holy Spirit pounces on die, heals her. She has five natural kids. My whole worldview is spinning. So I think, well, okay, if God could do those two things, maybe when he's saying this thing about a church, but I still didn't want to do a church, so I had this, I, I dreamed up another good story. I said, Lord, you're having a bad day. I have an MBA in finance, and I don't know any Bible verses. Honestly, I'd been saved five years and didn't know one Bible verse, not even John 3.16. And the Lord said, no, nope, you're the one I want. I said, really? You're sure? He said, yeah, I'll make you a promise. I'll give you every person. I'll bring every person you'll ever need to build the church, and I'll bring you every resource you ever need, money, buildings, everything. I'll, I'll take care of it. All you have to do is say yes, and I'll do it. I thought, well, Jesus has been pretty good so far. I'll say yes. I didn't have any idea that what I said yes to meant this. I thought it just kind of meant like, okay, I'll say I'm starting a church. I don't know if it'll go anywhere. But then he started giving me big dreams and visions. And, you know, the rest is, is history is one step at a time. Wasn't easy, but it brought real clarity and focus to our lives. Our prayer life zoomed into a new category and the kingdom advanced. Well, let me go back. Obedience always means sacrifice. Something has to give. When you say yes to one thing, you can't say yes to the other. Basically, I had a choice. Do I say yes to a career to pursue my dreams or yes and pursue God's dreams? Obviously, we chose the church. 
that's a stumbling point for a lot of people. And I want to say something here that's not bragging on me. I want to show you how this works. Obedience changes things. It advances the kingdom. Di and I had our lives changed. This church emerged. Some of you, now listen closely, some of you have had your life changed. You've enjoyed what you've experienced because of a yes back long time ago. Now, here's what's unique. Your yeses to God are changing people's lives and will still change more lives into the future. Do you realize that? See, we, you, you look at what we did and you say, wow, that's good that you said yes. You're doing the same thing. When you say yes to the Lord, a whole wave behind you gets to enjoy that. You know, we talk about we want to change our communities. You want to change your community? Say yes to the Lord about what he wants to do for your community. You name the community. He has a plan for that community way ahead of you. But if you're ever going to do his thing, you have to say yes to him or obey him and go step by step. Does that make sense? I'm not, I'm not pointing at, oh, you're so blessed that Diane and I said yes. I, I hope you've been blessed by it, but you're really blessed that people all through history have said yes. Somebody said yes so I could be where I got. Somebody said yes so you could be where you are. Your chance is to say yes so your children and the next generation and the friends and neighbors get to come where you are. It's always uh, the, the old line of, of pay it forward. So if this is true, the Bible says to obey, it's good to obey, it changes things. Why don't people obey all the time? Basically, we don't have enough relationship with Jesus Christ. When you see him as bigger, better, and more beautiful, you don't have any choice but to obey. You fall on your knees. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, it said he fell to his knees thanking God of heaven and all the other things. And he, he's not falling on his knees to pray. He's falling on his knees because he's stunned at the goodness of God. Paul, who's been to heaven, who's seen things, he's stunned how good this God is and how worthy he is of all of our obedience and everything we give to him. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. They won't follow another. I hope you're hearing voices. The voice of Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> if you're not, you need help. They made fun of Vice President Pence one day because he said he heard from the Lord. I hope you're hearing from the Lord. Those of you that are married for a long time or have a friend for a long time, you know their voice? I know Di's voice. I know what she enjoys. I know what she doesn't like. Did you know she actually sent me for a hearing test because she said I wasn't <laughs> listening? She said she didn't think I could hear. Now, the good or bad news, depending what side of the fence you're on, I passed the hearing test with flying colors. <laughs> so now I'm trying to think, was I not listening on purpose? Or did I act like I wasn't listening? So that, we'll get into that in the next message. Sometimes it's just too costly to say yes. We don't want to give up the life we're living or we don't want to change what we're doing or we have plans. You know, when I said yes to Jesus Christ to be a pastor, I figured it was going to cost me money. Looking back, 40-some years later, I think it's probably cost me 3 to $5 million. My brothers could all buy me out three or four times. You know, do I regret that? No, not at all. I have all of you as friends. I have friends around the world I've gotten to partner with Jesus Christ. I've seen things I only dreamed of seeing. It's, it's been wonderful. The kingdom's advanced. In 1983, we met the vineyard. We were an independent church, and I said, I want to be a vineyard. Nobody in the church wanted to be a vineyard, even Diane. I said, Lord, 
I thought you told me to be a vineyard. He said, well, I did. Just give me some time. And over a two-year period, he changed the church. But we could have lost the whole church. There were people mad about the vineyard. That West Coast group, they were out of California at that time. Nobody liked them. And uh, God changed our hearts. 2012, a guy named Todd White. Some of you young people have seen Todd on the Internet. Character and a half comes in, said there's more to grace, righteousness, and identity than what you're teaching. I have two choices. Uh, he didn't say I had two choices. I held the, felt the Lord said, you got two choices. You can either listen to Todd, who I send in here to talk to you, or you can tell him to get lost and forget it. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to go with God. If there's more to the story that I don't know, I'm going to fall on my face, say, Lord, I... I repent, I change, I want everything you have, I'm going for it. I didn't sign up just for a ticket to heaven. I signed up to partner with Jesus Christ. That's the whole spirit of what he wants. He's never upset that we, we don't, you know, have it all together. He's upset if we won't keep saying yes. All right? Other times we, we don't understand what we're hearing. We don't know who to ask. Years ago, we were starting this church. There were only three people in the entire area of Champaign-Urbana told me to do it. My wife was one. My brother who wasn't saved was another. <laughs> Why he said yes, I don't know. And, and an older guy who comes to first service. Those three people, everybody else said you can't do it. They were actually probably using more wisdom than the three people who told me, but God somehow got it through and I interpreted if three people say yes, I must be right. Let's go for it. <laughs> Have I ever missed it? You bet. I was in San Diego in January and Dies writing another book, and she writes better when she gets away and can concentrate. And we're in a restaurant having breakfast, and the guy comes in with a hard hat on. And I walk over to him, and I, it says, Jesus saves in real big letters. And I said, I like your hat. He said, oh, yeah, let me tell you. He said, I was a drug addict, a gang member. I've been in jail, but I got saved. I'm in a spirit-filled church. I'm one of the leaders. God changed my life. I want everybody to know it. I congratulate him, said a little prayer for him, and Went back to the table feeling real good about myself. And the Lord said, and he leaves. He leaves. It's important that he left. The Lord said, you did well. You did one-third of what I asked you to do. The other two-thirds, I was supposed to pay for his breakfast. And I was supposed to prophesy to him that God was calling him to be a pastor. I looked for him the rest of the week. Never saw him again. But again, any of you ever miss opportunities? We do all the time. It's not like you're in God's doghouse for the rest of your life and you're going to miss heaven. But it's fun to partner with the Lord. Pay attention. He's speaking all the time about calling the gold out in somebody, speaking a word to somebody, serving somebody, loving on somebody. It's how the kingdom advances. Well, I've said already, obedience can change the world. I, I think we all want to obey God. I don't think anybody wakes up and says, today's my day to disobey. Anybody ever say that? Even you young folks don't say it that bluntly. Sometimes you try, but um, Luke eleven twenty eight puts it this way. Those who hear and obey are blessed. God wants us to be blessed. He wants our lives to be fruitful and abundant. Let's go back to the Ivory Coast for just a minute. I learned I still have a lot more to learn about obedience. You're never too old to obey. And I'm so glad I went. I saw amazing things in the spirit. We've been there two years. The partnership that we're in has been there three years. They're using something called disciple-making movements, or DMM. It's in Christian literature, and it's working well in the non-developed parts of the world. Um, we Western folks like to know the Bible, 
But some of these people have never even been taught to read. So it doesn't do them good to hand them a Bible and say, read your Bible. They, they focus on doing the Bible or obeying the Bible. If the Bible passage says it's, you, you need to love somebody, they'll ask the people, okay, who are you going to love today? And now go tell it. Who are you going to tell about love? Or if you need to forgive, who are you going to forgive? See, it's all about doing. It's having so much success. There are stories in, in third world type countries of phenomenal growth of converts. And it's sweeping in Muslim areas and people who are animistic, meaning they have all different kinds of gods. It, it, these people are just wide open to the gospel. They have no other hope. Our little group, which has only been going three years, already seen 200 salvations, 200 discipleship groups, 15 church weekend services started, and, and it's, it's amazing. It's just going, people are begging to get started. We, we buy the local people a motorcycle, and they drive to village to village teaching them the gospel. It, it's precious to watch. Talking about power of God, we go to this one church, and um, if you need verification, by the way, Gene Berrickman sitting back here, he was with me, and uh, he'll, he'll tell you these stories are true, but the pastor asked me to pray for whole group of people. Usually I'd make Gene pray and the other people on the team, Jim and Vicki Egler. So I, 30 people line up. We pray for them in one hour through double translations. So that's oh, about two minutes a person. All 30 people are healed. I, yeah, you can give the Lord a hand. I actually stopped them and said, um, are, do you understand what I'm asking? Are you healed? And it'd come back. Yes, I'm healed. I was undone. So I get back to America. I called my partnership friends and said, okay, I saw something strange. I had 30 people in a row get healed, and that just doesn't happen in America. What's going on? I said, oh, that happens over here all the time. We see large groups of people get healed. In fact, most of the people get healed when we pray for them. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this is unfair. I'd have gone right away. I wouldn't have even argued. You know, if you have to shower out of a bucket of water, that's a small price to pay to see stuff like that. And I thought, Lord, I had a bad attitude. I'm going to change my attitude. I think I'm going back. I'm probably going to take some of you with me and uh, have you enjoy the wonderful times. But again, obedience. It's never easy or sometimes costly. It creates clarity and it advances the kingdom. Isn't that what you're all about? Isn't that what you want? I've never had a time in my life I can say in 40-some in years of being a Christian, you know, I obeyed God and I regret it. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Can you think of a time you've ever regretted? I don't think so. So I, I think the bottom line is if we all want to walk in obedience, our starting point is Jesus Christ. See him as bigger, better, more beautiful. One of my sons teaches school in Iowa City and he all the kids give him a hard time because he's always talking about Christianity. And he just tells them things go better with Jesus. I'd say things go better when you listen to Jesus, obey what he's asking you to do, and see what the next exciting adventure is. You're on an adventure, and it always happens by saying yes. Yes, I'll go. Yes. If I hadn't gone to Ivory Coast, I wouldn't be telling you stories. Fresh stories. Daily stories. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life make you something special, do something unique, change your life, and give you a story that you can tell for the rest of your life. 
I think most of us are just beginning. I'm going to pray uh, during the ministry time that we overcome fear of stepping out so that we can see the fullness of Jesus Christ. We can say, wow, he's bigger, better, more beautiful. Why wouldn't I follow him? Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the wonderful, wonderful encouragement to obey you so we'll have clarity, we'll have focus, we'll have uh, advancement of the kingdom, we'll see things change, the world around us will be different. Lord, you're the best, and we just want to say thanks for meeting us here and blessing us with your word. Show us how we can do it this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Life Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.